You can be seated. Good morning and welcome to Trinity Church. It's great to have everybody with us this morning. Uh, and so I, I say welcome to you and invite you to take out your Bible if you have one and turn to Daniel chapter 10 as we begin our study of God's Word this morning. My name is DJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and we are currently in the process of working through the book of Daniel in our Sunday morning studies. Uh, we believe uh, and we have a high view of the Bible here at Trinity. And so we want our sermons, our preaching, to be constructed around God's Word. And that's why we make it a pattern to, to work through books of the Bible, paragraph by paragraph, verse by, by verse. We want to understand what God says and then apply it to our lives today. But we believe this is the means by which God speaks to us. And that's going to be very important as we get into our topic this morning in Daniel chapter 10. If you didn't get a listening guide on your way in, a little sheet of paper that has our text and space for notes, I hope you follow along. You can slip your hand up and Alex will make sure that you get one of those from the back. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 14 is what we'll be covering this morning. And as we begin to open God's word together, the question that I want to ask you this morning to think about, to meditate on as we begin our study is this, what is it like to hear from God? What is it like to hear from God? From God. Now you might think, I, I don't know, I've never heard from God. I've never had the experience of hearing a voice speak to me out of nowhere. Maybe this question conjures up the thought of voices booming down from the clouds, of maybe a vision of an angel or some celestial being, or, or even a whisper in the quiet of the night, a voice not of this world speaking to you. And if you're one of the 99.9999999% that has never had that experience, that has never heard God speak audibly out of a cloud or a still small voice, you might think that this question on what it's like to hear from God in this passage we're about to see today as Daniel has such a grand experience has little to do with you today, has little to do with me today. But this morning we need to understand that we have heard from God. We have heard him speak, and, and we can hear from him every single day. In fact, the entire reason that we are gathered together this morning is to hear from God. I hope that's why you've come. I hope you're not here this morning to hear from me, because if you are, you need a better hobby. There are a lot of great things you could do on a Sunday morning besides listen to me talk. We are here because we believe God speaks through his word. He speaks when you open it at home. He speaks when we gather together to hear it proclaimed. And today's text is about the manner in which Daniel was prepared to hear from God's word. So have you ever stopped to think about not just whether you hear from God's word, but how do you hear God's word? What is that experience like? When we open the Bible, we are hearing God speak to us, and that is no small thing. We, we shouldn't approach it casually like anything else that we do. We won't really hear God's word like we should until we're prepared rightly for it. So what does that look like? What should it look like when you are preparing yourself to hear from God's word? Well, we're going to look at Daniel this morning in chapter 10. We're going to look at his experience that he has, and we're going to see what we can learn and apply to our lives from it as we seek to to hear from God this morning and throughout our lives. So Daniel 10, join me as we read together verses 1 through 14. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word, and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. 
I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl. His face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. That's God's word for us this morning. Pray with me as we continue in studying it. Our God and Father, our revealer of mysteries, creator of heaven and earth, we ask this morning that what we know not you would teach us, what we have not you would give us, what we are not, you would make us this morning. For we are dependent on your grace and on the power of your spirit. Be at work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's work our way through this vision. But first, a couple words about context before we can really dig in. Because just when you think you're getting used to the pattern here in Daniel 7 through 12, it changes up a little bit. See, we open up and we see that, you know, once we started in, in Daniel 7, we've seen this pattern of Daniel receives a vision. The vision is usually about kings and princes and empires and things that are yet to come. And then we move on to the next chapter and time passes and Daniel has another vision. And we repeat this through chapter 7, through chapter 8, through chapter 9. And you might think, all right, well, here's chapter 10's vision. Well, 10 is a little bit different. Because actually, what you're going to see is that from chapter 10 through 12, so from now to the end of the book, this whole episode concerns a single vision. It's all one unit taken together. And so really, we are coming to the beginning of the end in our study of Daniel. So in chapter 10, we're going to see Daniel prepared for this vision, this word that he is going to hear from God. In chapter 11, he's actually going to receive the prophetic word, receive this vision of things to come. And again, it will be about princes and powers and nations and kings and rulers that will come in the future. And then in chapter 12, as that vision wraps up, Daniel is given some, okay, now what? What should you do with this vision? How is he supposed to respond to it? (coughs) 
Excuse me. So this morning, as we look through just the first half of chapter 10, I want you to set in your mind that what we're seeing is what prepares Daniel for a vision that is yet to come. This isn't a self-contained experience, but this is about getting him ready for something that is about to take place, to hear from God rightly. And so today we're going to see how does God prepare Daniel to hear his word. And so ask the question of yourself as we move through this. How do I prepare myself? How am I preparing myself to hear from God? In verse 1, we find Daniel in the third year of the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So if you're following along through the study, this dates at about two years after the events of chapter 9 that we've studied over the past few weeks. Daniel had his prayer for his people as he discerned the exile was coming to an end according to God's promises. He pours out his heart in a prayer of repentance, asking God to, to show mercy to them and deliver them back to their home for his name's sake. And then God delivers this vision of the 70 weeks that David unpacked for us last week. And then two years later, now we find Daniel again. And we find him hearing a new word, a new vision. Chapter or Verse 1 tells us that this word was true and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So Daniel has a word revealed to him, but the word is, is a conflict. It is a great conflict. Now the, the, the text that is in, uh, translated for us here is great conflict. This word can mean that it was about a great conflict, but there's something about this prophetic word that's coming that is about conflict, about strife. And, and the word here uh, can also be translated to, to be about armies, to be about warfare. It can also mean hard service. And all of these translations, I think, give us a little bit of a window into what the focus is here. This is going to be a difficult word for Daniel to hear. It's going to be a hard word. It's going to concern armies and warfare, but it's also going to involve great suffering for God's people, like so many of Daniel's visions to this point have. This will be a hard word for Daniel to hear. Now, generally, when we think about wanting to hear from God, about wanting to God, God to speak to us, to, to allow us to hear from him, we would like God to speak to us about how great everything is going to be, about how fantastic we are and about how our future is going to be great beyond our wildest expectations. We want to hear about our best life, and we want it now. This is what we desire to hear when we say we want to hear from God. And, and to be sure, if we're in Christ, we have an incredible hope. We have a future that is secure, and that is beyond our wildest imagination. But the pathway to get to that future often leads through many dangers, toils, and snares, as the, the classic song goes. And you know that. You've experienced that if you've walked with Christ for any length of time. Daniel sure knew this. Daniel had lived this for his entire life. This is a man who is in his 80s at this point. When we first met him back in chapter 1, when he was plucked from his home as Jerusalem was conquered by Babylon, taken from his family, put in service of a king in a foreign land, he was a teenager. 14, 15, 16 years old. He has lived and lived faithfully to the Lord for 70 years. And through that, he's, been, he's gone through suffering. He's been falsely accused and aligned because of his love and devotion to God. He's been threatened with death. He's seen visions of suffering that will come in the future of his people as God continues to work out his promises. Daniel realizes that life following after the Lord is difficult. And we even find him here as he hears this vision. When, when does this vision come to him? He's mourning and fasting. 
Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So Daniel is in this period where he's, he's mourning. He is, he's, uh, he's fasting. He's not eating any meat. He's not drinking wine. He's not eating any rich food. He's barely sustaining himself while he pours himself into prayer and seeking after the Lord. Now, why is he doing this? Why is he in mourning for these three weeks? Well, the text doesn't tell us for certain, but it seems as if he is doing this in an effort to understand something of what God is telling him. If we jump ahead down in verse 12, when this messenger comes to visit him, he's going to say that I came because of your prayer from the first day that you set your heart to understand. And so this three-week period began when Daniel set his heart to understand something. We're not told what, but the inference is that this is something about God's word to him, something about the visions that he has received. In fact, it is entirely possible that here, two years later, two years after the vision of the 70 weeks, Daniel is still struggling to grasp what it means. And he's praying and fasting and mourning in order to, to ask God, to plead with God, give me clarity, give me understanding of your vision for me. If that's the case, if, if this is about the 70 weeks vision from two years prior and he still hasn't figured it out, that's reassuring to me, right? Because, I mean, you, if you were here for that sermon last week and you read that text, it ain't easy to figure out what on earth is going on there. And here, Daniel, we find so heartbroken that he can't grasp some reality from God that he's, he's seeking him. He's laying everything else aside, all distractions and all comforts and saying, God, show yourself to me. And it's in the midst of this time of his troubled and mourning heart that God speaks a new word to him. This is when God's word comes. Not when he's on the mountaintop, not when he's celebrating, not when he's just walked out of the lion's den and can be like, ha did you see that? No, it comes at his low point, during suffering, during turmoil and anxiety and anguish in his soul. The word comes at this point. But this word will reveal that there is still more trouble yet to come. Daniel's at a low spot. Now comes God's word, and it's still not easy. Daniel is receiving a hard word from God, which asks the question then of us, are we prepared to receive a hard word from God? How do you view God's word? How do you approach it? When, when you come to the Bible, are you looking for just a motivational snippet to get you out the door and on your way? Are you looking for, for just a reassuring truth to comfort your heart, to, to help you feel better and, and have a little solace when you're going through something difficult? Well, good news, there are certainly times when the Bible will provide both. God speaks to us in that way. He tells us what is true. He motivates us out the door. He consoles us when we are weeping. But that's not all he does. And that's not all he says. And so when you come to hear God speak, are you prepared to receive whatever he has to say to you? Whatever he might reveal to be true, good or bad. Think about Job. Job, the classic example of the man who suffered, the man who experienced puzzling suffering and, and received no answer from God as to why this was taking place in his life. When Job was at his lowest point, perhaps, after the loss of all of his children, the loss of his livelihood, his, his wealth, 
His wife, who is deep in despair, comes to him and says, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? Now, when Job talks about that, about shall we not receive evil, he's not implying that God is doing evil things, but think of evil in the same sense as calamity. He's saying, we receive good blessings at God's hand. Should we not trust him when the answer is hard too? When hard times come our way? Paul, hitting on this same thing in Romans chapter 8, said to the church at Rome, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And if we stop right there, we think, yeah, that is good stuff. Co-heirs with Jesus, recipients of every good and perfect gift that God could ever give. That's the kind of promise I want. But if we read the rest of the verse, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. The expectation is that the road to glory will be marked with suffering. And so when we come to hear from God, are we prepared to hear a hard word? Are we prepared to humble ourselves and receive whatever he says, not try to fit what we want him to say into our preconceived box about who God is and how he should be operating in my life? If you're not prepared to hear a hard word from God, then you're not prepared to hear from God. And so this is where we find Daniel, mourning, anxious, troubled, suffering. And here comes a difficult word. Into his season of mourning and fasting, a visitor appears. Daniel is standing on the banks of the Tigris River here in verse 4. And suddenly, right in the middle of his day, God breaks in. And he looks up and he sees a vision of a man but no ordinary man at all. Verse four, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, a man clothed in linen. Now remember, as we've gone through Daniel, whenever you see this word behold used, it is usually used to indicate surprise, right? You know, we, we tend to think of it as a very old Englishy way of saying things, and lo and behold, here cometh. No, this is, and behold, like something unexpected has happened. Daniel's going about his business, and he sees this man. Behold, I saw a man clothed in linen. This is not an everyday occurrence. He has a belt of fine gold from Ufaz around his waist. And his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. So Daniel sees this vision of a man, And he has other men around him, but they don't see the vision. But they realize something is happening because they start trembling. Just the periphery of the glory and the majesty of this appearance is enough to set them running and hiding themselves because they're in terror at what it is they are seeing. And Daniel is left alone before this 
figure before this man with, with limbs like burnished bronze, with eyes like flaming torches, with, with a face shining like lightning. What is it that we are to imagine is going on here? Who, who is this? Well, there's a couple of possibilities as we ask ourselves who this is. And the first possibility is that this could be a pre-incarnate vision of Jesus, a pre-incarnate appearance of the second person of the Trinity. This happens often, maybe often is a little much, but this does happen from time to time in the Old Testament, where we see what looks to be an angel who appears, sometimes referred to as the angel of the Lord. And angels appear from time to time, but every now and then you'll see an appearance of an angel where that angel exercises qualities and receives worship in a way that is appropriate for God and God alone. He's referred to as the angel of the Lord, or literally the messenger of the Lord, right? The Hebrew word for angel means messenger. And so when we see this angel of the Lord, this sometimes can be Christ himself before his incarnation appearing to, in majesty and glory to God's people. Now, why would we have reason to think that this is Jesus? Well, for one, the detail here seems very similar to a vision that John has of the glorified Christ in Revelation chapter 1. If any of this language sounded familiar to you, listen to this text. Maybe this is where you think you've heard it before. Revelation 1, 12 through 15. John says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. And strikingly similar to the experience that Daniel has here. Not only that, but we can kind of see some similarity to the appearance of, uh, of Jesus to Saul, who became Paul on the Damascus Road, right? If you remember that, Saul is traveling to Damascus, actually going to round up and have Christians thrown in jail, and he sees this vision of Jesus, of the risen Christ. And he's traveling with other men, but they don't see the vision. They hear the voice, they have a glimpse of the glory, but they don't know who it is that Saul is seeing and who he's talking to. In much the same way that Daniel's companions who are with him here know something is up, And it's enough to terrify them, but they don't see the vision. They don't see the figure. And so these similarities make us wonder, is this this the same thing happening here? Is Daniel seeing Jesus? Well, the other possibility is that this is an angelic being, right? That it is simply an angel, a messenger of the Lord, who is representing and manifesting the glory of the God he serves and represents. That he is showing himself in the full majesty that God gives in order to to emphasize to Daniel, this word is coming from on high. This is no simple thing, but it comes from God. Now, why would we take this interpretation, given how similar and striking that language was to what we see in Revelation 1? Well, if you remember from when we first read through, down in verse 12, this this being that comes to Daniel is going to say that he has actually been, he, he was dispatched to come to Daniel three weeks prior, but has been fighting in a battle with this demonic figure that we, is referred to as the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And he was held up by this, by this prince for three weeks until another angel, Michael, came, with, came to him and they broke through and finished this battle and here he is to appear to Daniel. And so... Frankly, it just seems wrong to think of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Almighty God, to get held up until he has some assistance come and and help him win the battle. Like That just seems off to us, enough that we think, well, maybe this isn't Jesus after all. And so 
What's the answer? Who is this? Who is this that appears? Well, I'm here this morning to tell you with full confidence that I'm not really sure. (laughs) And that's okay, because this is not the main point of the passage, right? It's not clear who this is because the text doesn't tell us with clarity who this is. If the main point was for us to understand whether this was Jesus or an angel, God would have made it clear. It's not clear, so I can tell you with confidence it's not the main point. If you spend all your time in this text, as is tempting to do, trying to figure out the identity of this messenger, then you're going to miss the point of the passage. Now, if you're going to corner me, and nobody's getting up and moving, but theoretically, if you were to corner me, I would say, I think this is probably Jesus. The the language is so similar to what we see in Revelation and to a couple episodes in like Ezekiel 1, other appearances and manifestations of the glory of God. It just seems to me that it's more than likely that that this is some sort of pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. In fact, the language is so striking that even people who think verse 12 means this can't be Jesus, have some of them float the theory that there's actually two beings here, that we have the one that appears to Daniel and then the, we have the other one who actually talks so that we can have Jesus and then we can have this other angel. Like that's, I think that in, introduces other interpretive problems, but I, I say that to say that's how strikingly similar this language is to Revelation 1, that even people who think this, this can't be Jesus down in 12, think, well, maybe it still is back here somehow. So I tend to think that this is a pre-incarnate image of Christ. I think there's a way that we can deal with what we're going to see later on Uh, with him being held up in battle in a way that preserves God's omnipotence. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But all this to say, that's the way I lean. If you think this is an angel, fantastic. This isn't the point. The point is not nailing down the identity of the messenger. Because again, if it was, we would be given clarity. The point here is to understand why the messenger has come. What is it that he is going to communicate here? And why does God communicate to Daniel in this way. Daniel sees this figure who is radiant with the glory of God of heaven, whether Christ, whether simply an angel. He sees a manifestation of God's glory appearing in the sky and coming down to him. And it's terrifying, right? Daniel is left alone. His strength leaves him. He goes pale as a sheet. The figure begins speaking and he hits the floor. He is horrified, terrified, struck with fear at the presence of this vision. What we need to realize here is is the main point of what's going on is Daniel encounters God. Daniel sees a vision of God's glory represented in this figure, and he is undone. We need to understand something about the nature of God. This is the universal experience. The universal experience of those who come face to face with God's glory as reflected in his messengers, whether Christ, whether an angel, whether a vision in the Old Testament of the glory of God. Just a couple bits from scripture, Revelation 117, that that vision we just read that John had of the risen and glorified Christ. What happens right after that? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, Revelation 117. Ezekiel 128, after Ezekiel sees this striking and amazing vision of the glory of the Lord enthroned in heaven, he says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking, Ezekiel 128. And perhaps the most famous example of this from Scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, as Isaiah is commissioned to become a prophet. 
And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees this amazing vision that we think, man, if I could only see that, that'd be fantastic. That'd be great. It'd be like fist bumping. And Isaiah's reaction is, I'm a dead man. I'm lost. I'm undone because here is God and he is holy and great. And I'm not. His thought is fear and terror and a sense of his sinfulness. When we are presented with the glory of God, it is an awe-inspiring, fearful, humbling thing. And we need to be reminded of this this morning because we're in a culture that takes God far too casually. Like We have the notion that to see God would be like, that's cool, what are we going to do tomorrow? There's a story that, that Pastor John MacArthur tells of a meeting he had with a man. This guy comes up to him and, and claimed to him that, that Jesus appeared to him every morning in his bathroom. While he was getting ready and shaving, he says, Jesus would come up to me and he put his arm around me and we have a conversation every morning. And he, sensing MacArthur was skeptical of this claim, he like, why, why wouldn't you believe that? Why, why is that so hard to believe? God appears to people in the Bible. Why is it so hard for you to believe that Jesus would appear to me and we would talk every morning? And MacArthur said, my first question was like, like, you say he appears to you while you're shaving. Do you stop shaving? Like, I'd be like cutting my face to shreds, like shaking. Like, and he, this guy had it like, well, it's just, no, we just put his arm around when we talk. So how's it going? Like, when we encounter Christ, when we encounter God, it's shattering. Find me one example in the whole of the Bible where it's not a gut-wrenching, earth-shattering, humbling experience when somebody sees the glory of God. And this is what Daniel experiences here. This is what he sees in this vision of a man that sends him face to the ground. And so the question is, why? Why, why does Daniel see this vision? Why does God choose to do this? I mean, remember, Daniel is seeking a word from the Lord. He says, I want to understand. I want to know what it is that you're telling me. Why didn't God just shoot him an email? Why didn't he just tell him the information? Why go through all this big, dramatic trouble? Well, it's because Daniel needed a vision of God's glory to help him understand the significance of the message. If we are going to hear God's word rightly in the way that God intends, we must have a real and palpable sense of the glory of God. We can't just casually approach the word. So as Daniel sees this terrifying messenger, what's the point is not who the terrifying messenger is, but the point is why this impression? Why has the message been delivered in this way? It's because Daniel needs to see God's glory. And as we think about ourselves in this, if it was important for Daniel to see this vision before hearing the word that God had prepared for him, it makes me ask about myself. How do I prepare to hear God's word? 
How do I approach the word? When you arrived here this morning, was it with a sense of anticipation that God was going to speak to you? Right? Not, not in some mystical Eastern way where as I'm up here preaching the words, you hear like this background voice that just like gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling and you go out on your way. Did you come expecting to hear God speak to you by hearing his words proclaimed and explained as his spirit applies them to your heart as you're in Christ? Did you come with that expectation this morning? Or, or did you just show up like you show up to Walmart? When you open your Bible to read throughout the week, is there anything about how you do it that marks it as different from opening your favorite novel? Hearing from God should be a shattering experience. It should be impactful. Right? We may not see a vision of an angel like Daniel does, but we should approach hearing God speak, whether it's with God's people gathered or whether it's alone by myself in my bedroom, we should approach this with a sense of awe, of wonder, of eager expectation at what God would say, the creator of heaven and earth speaking to us. So how does your heart approach God and his word? At its core, this is a question of the heart, right? What is the attitude of your heart as you approach God's word? Because routines and practices are going to differ for all of us. We're not a one-size-fits-all in terms of if you, excuse me, if you follow steps A, B, and C, well, then you'll have a, a time of reading God's word that honors him and, and puts you in the right attitude. How are you preparing your heart? That said, there are some practical things you can do to help. As you think about your routine, what, what can I do to prepare myself to hear from God? When you come in here on a Sunday morning, are you focused on what it's, what's about to happen? Have you prayed this morning that God will speak to you through his word, that he'll speak to you through the fellowship of his people, the other believers that you're going to be here with? Or is your mind already moving on to what's coming next? We've got other things coming up today. Maybe you're already thinking three, four chess moves down the board. And you're not really focused on what's going to happen in this moment. How can you change that? How can you modify your practices on Sunday morning to become more ready to hear like Daniel hears here? What about when you're by yourself? What does your personal practice of Bible reading look like? How do you come to the Word? Do you just pop in in the middle of the frenzy of life, you know, carve out five seconds, read a chapter, and then boom, move on, immediately start doing other things? Or do you retreat to a quiet place, pause to pray, read slowly, meditate, take in? Is it routine? Are you just checking off a box? Or, or are you praying and asking God, help me understand as I carefully read your word? Right? There's some passages in scripture we can read kind of quickly and get the point very easily. As we've seen over the past few weeks, Daniel 7 through 12 is not one of those. If we're going to study this, if we're going to say, God, help me understand your word, it's going to take time, focus, and effort to dig in, to pray, to ask. Now, there are times in, in a busy life where you say, I'm, I'm just going to squeeze in five minutes and read the word here, and God will honor that. that. That is a good and helpful thing. Don't hear me saying like, well, if you're just reading five minutes at a time and because you've got some time on the train or wherever, it, who rides the train? I don't even know what I'm saying. But <laughs> if you've just got five minutes at a stoplight or a train, train tracks, that's what I meant. You're stuck behind a train in traffic. And you pop out the word on your phone and read, like, that's great. Fill the corners of your life with Bible and with God's word anytime you can. But make your focus and your practice to say, I'm going to take some time where I've got 20 minutes of quiet 
And that can be easier said than done, especially with little kids running around. But I'm gonna gonna block out time to spend with God and his word and to ask him to help me to understand. If it's important enough to us, we'll do it. We make time for the things that really matter to us. Will you make time to study God's word with the attention and the attitude towards him that it deserves and demands? If your Sunday morning routine is characterized by the chaotic and the time-pressed, I know I'm not talking about anybody in this room, but theoretically, if that were you, this doesn't sound like a super spiritual piece of advice, but wake up 30 minutes earlier. Do some of your Sunday morning routine on Saturday night to lessen the craziness on Sunday morning. Get to church 15 minutes early so that you're not coming in like frazzled and irritated and then right away, boom, having to sit and reshape your mind to hear God's word. Like take practical steps that will help put you in the right frame of mind and of heart when you gather with God's people to hear the word. Again, they're not super spiritual sounding things. Like if you ask, how can I better experience God through his word? I wouldn't think get to church 30 minutes earlier, or wake up 30 minutes earlier, get to church 15 minutes earlier, but I promise those things will help you. I find that on mornings when, I'm, when I have time to sit and think, I'm better prepared for what God's going to say to me than I am when I'm just rushing and in and thinking about 20 other things. One other thing that I found personally helpful is staying away from distracting things on Sunday mornings before church. So the big secret here, I like football. And I'm a big Carolina Panthers fan. I know I've just outed myself and nobody had any idea of that before you walked in today. But I'm excited this afternoon to go watch their one o'clock showdown with the New York Giants. I love watching football. It's good to think about, to read about, you know, and it's easy for me to keep my mind occupied on Sunday mornings with the football games that I want to watch on Sunday afternoons. It's a very real temptation. I've got Panthers blogs. I've got news sites I like to read. SportsCenter is fun. But I say this, I try to stay away from those on Sunday mornings. I, I, I generally make it a practice to say, I'm not going to read my favorite news sites, my favorite blogs. I'm not going to turn on the TV so that I can focus on what's important, on God speaking to me, through me on days like today. And then after church, sure, let, let's get pumped for football. You know, let, let's turn on the game. Let's, let's set our fantasy lineup. Let's do all those things. But I find it easier to come in here much more concerned with what God has to say when I'm quieting my life on Sunday morning before I walk in the door. When I'm not worried about how many points, fantasy or otherwise, Cam Newton's going to put up. It's going to be a lot, by the way. Daniel encounters a terrifying messenger, an otherworldly visitor that strikes him with the gravity and the glory of the God that he is about to hear from. Does God strike you in that same way when you come to his word, when you gather with his people? You may have never seen an angel. You may have never heard a voice like a multitude of rushing waters. But you, if you're in Christ, you have encountered the risen Jesus and been transformed by him, made into a new creation. Has that transformation affected the way that you hear from your God, the way that you prepare to hear from your God? We need a glimpse of God's glory if we're going to rightly hear God's word. However, While God's glory forces Daniel to the ground, God's amazing love does not leave him there. Verse 10, Daniel hears a reassuring voice. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. 
And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. So Daniel is on the ground, and a hand touches him, which only increases his fear, right? He's shaking on his hands, and he's, get a mental picture of what is going on here. Put yourself in Daniel's shoes. You've been struck by this vision, your face down on the ground, and now a touch on your shoulder, and you're shaking uncontrollably on the ground. And the voice speaks, Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. He's told of God's love for him right off the bat, and then told, stand up. Right? I've, been, I've come, I've been sent with a word for you. Stand upright. And we had, when he had spoken this word to me, I love this, I stood up trembling. Daniel stands up. The shakes aren't gone, though. He still is not at ease. And so what does the messenger say? He speaks again. Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. I have come because of your words. Fear not. God speaks this phrase to his people over and over in the Bible. Jesus said it to his disciples over and over again. Just about every time in the Bible an angel shows up, the first words out of his mouth are, fear not, do not be afraid. When we humble ourselves before God and we hear his word, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that we hear. Right, we're going to hear hard words, distressing words, heavy words. But when we humble ourselves before God and we hear his word, we will always hear, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Now this, this seems at first to cut hard against everything we just talked about from verses 4 through 9. How can I not be afraid? Our God is a consuming fire, ruler of heaven and earth. He gives life, he takes it. He is the one who spoke galaxies into existence. And he has a glory that outshines the sun, the moon, billions of times brighter. How can we not be afraid in his presence? Shouldn't we fall down and be terrified and trembling at the very notion that God would speak to us? Why shouldn't Daniel be afraid? Because he is one dearly loved. All of those things we just said about God are true. We need a glimpse of God's glory, majesty, his holiness, his otherness. We need to tremble in his presence to, to have a sense of the gravity of the one that we're about to hear from. But we also need to understand the great love that he has for us. And that love will help us to hear him rightly, to have the appropriate kind of fear. There is an appropriate fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom, a realization of who he is, of his greatness, his glory, his majesty, of our tiny insignificance in the grand scheme of his universe. But there is a kind of fear that is not appropriate for a Christian as well when we are in the presence of God. 1 John 4, 17 through 19, John says this, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. The day of judgment will be in the presence of God Almighty. We may have confidence for the day of judgment, 
Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. It is the transformative nature of God's love for us that can allow us to stand in his presence with confidence, knowing that we are loved by him. Romans 5, 7 and 8 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are accepted not on our own merit. Like we didn't even take the first tiny step towards God to kick the process off. But while we were still sinners, while we were still far from him, openly in rebellion, declaring ourselves to be his enemies, that's when Christ died for us. That's when God poured his love out on this world, extending his free grace through the gospel, through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what allows us to stand in his presence. Not just to survive, to stand in his presence. The Lord reassures Daniel that he is greatly loved. He is part of God's covenant people, the people on whom God has set his name. And so are you, if you're in Christ. A part of his covenant people. He has set his name on you. You are one greatly loved loved and he tells Daniel that he's heard his prayer right I have come because of your words from the first day you set your heart to understand your words have been heard and I have come because of your words God heard his prayer without delay and he was moved to answer now what we're going to find though is that the messenger has fought through three weeks of spiritual battle in order to reach him, right? The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is about to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So this prince of the kingdom of Persia, we're not talking the actual human prince, the son of the king, this, this language of princes is used, and you've picked up on it already probably in Daniel if you've been here, it's used of, of angelic beings, of ones who are given authority or dominion. Think of the sense in the New Testament when, when it talks of the prince of the power of the air. We are not at war with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities in this present age. Like There are angels, and, and in this case, in the prince of Persia, who is, approaching, who, is, who is opposing God and his messenger, there are demons who are out there who are fighting, who are influencing this world behind the scenes. There is a whole other world out there that we do not have visibility of. But here for just a moment, this messenger gives Daniel a peek and tells him that your words were heard the first day you prayed them. I, God has heard your words and I have come, I have been sent because of your prayers. But honestly, this kind of spiritual battle, the reality of this is usually what gives us reason to doubt God's love for us, right? Because Daniel prays, he's mourning, he's fasting, he's not touching any meat or wine, he's, he's focusing his heart to know God, and it seems quiet. 
it seems that God's not answering. And I know it must have been tempting for Daniel to think, God, God, don't you hear? Don't, don't you care? Please, show yourself. And sometimes it's like that for us. We pray, we ask God, show yourself to me, help me. And it seems that we just get silence from the other end. And we ask God, are you listening? Do you hear my prayers? Daniel prayed earnestly, and three weeks went by with seemingly no response. And I guarantee that there are people in this room who would say, I've I've had that experience. I've prayed earnestly for weeks, months, years, and it seems like God is quiet. Theologian John Calvin says this. He says, the experience of Daniel is daily fulfilled in every member of the church. That, that struck me. That was helpful to read this week. Because this seems so otherworldly, what Daniel's dealing with. And Calvin says, Daniel's all of us. Every single person in the church, every day, experiences the exact same reality in their lives. Calvin goes on, he says, God does not cease to regard us with favor, even while he may not please to make us conscious of it. For he does not always place it before our eyes. Yet God surpasses all our comprehension in the way that he provides for our safety. Daniel might be tempted to think, God's quiet. God doesn't care. This messenger says, a battle has raged in the heavenly realms for three weeks so that you can hear this word. God is not silent. He is not sitting on his hands but he wants you to realize that this is the length of his love, that he would send me, that he would send his princes through three weeks of war in order to deliver this message to you, O one greatly loved. Trust him even when you don't see, even when you can't trace his hand. Could God have instantly delivered the message? Sure. This is one area, remember I said earlier that I, don't th- I think we can, get, we can get, this off, get God off the hook even if this is Jesus here. Because if God wanted to, he could have sent, whether it's Jesus, whether it's an angel, and they could have broken through the line and got to Daniel first day, right away. Right? Think back to chapter 7, to the great and terrifying beast that we see. And we're, we have this beast set up as like the, the end-all, be-all, teeth-like iron, crushing everything in his path, and then God just, you know, get out of here. And it's done. We think that the prince of the kingdom of Persia was a bigger problem than that? No, if God wanted to, he could have done it that way. Why doesn't he? I don't know. I'm not him. But he wanted Daniel to understand the reality, something of the cosmic nature of what was taking place. He wanted Daniel to see a glimpse into this three weeks of warfare that was fought to preserve him and to preserve God's people and to deliver this word. God was not, it wasn't as if whether this is Jesus, whether this is an angel, it's not as if he sent him out and three weeks later he's like, crap, I, got better. I need to send some backup. This isn't going well. This was God's purpose and plan, that this messenger would fight through this battle to bring his message to Daniel, because Daniel is one greatly loved. He's God's people. God has sent Daniel a word about what will happen, and these are the lengths that he's gone to to get it to him, and he wants Daniel to know that. There will be times in your life when it will feel like God is silent on the other end. And there may be moments in those journeys where God will let you get a peek behind the curtain, 
where you'll understand something of things that you were not aware of that, that, were, that were going on, that were happening, of, of God's work in the world, how he used your suffering in somebody else's life to do good to them and to bless his people. There are times when we'll get a glimpse of that. There will be times we'll never know. There will be times, like Calvin says, that we have to realize that he does not cease to regard us with favor even when he doesn't want us, it doesn't please him to make us conscious of it. He does not always place it before our eyes. Will you trust him even when he doesn't? Knowing that his love for you is no less. His promises are no less true. And he is no less God. Even when there's those three weeks between your prayer going up and an answer coming back. He wants Daniel to understand what will happen in days yet to come. I remember how did Daniel start this? He set his heart to understand. He fasted. He was in mourning. And we're told in verse 14, I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. And now we're going to see over the next few weeks what it is this vision. What is it that this messenger unpacks for Daniel? But before Daniel could hear the word, he needed to understand a few things. He needed to be ready to hear a hard word because there are going to be hard things in this message just as there have been throughout the messages so far. He needed a glimpse of God's glory to understand the magnificence, the holiness, the splendor of the one who holds him in the palm of his hand. And he needed a reassuring voice. Even at 80 years old, walking with the Lord for 70 plus years, he needed a reassuring voice to tell him, you are one greatly loved. And everything about our relationship has that as its foundation. Now he's prepared to hear the word. Before you can hear God's word rightly, you need a reassuring voice to tell you that you are greatly loved. And the, the first words of that voice are that God so loved you and he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish have everlasting life. How does God display his love for us? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the entry point to hearing God's word. That's the entry point for understanding God's word, for hearing it rightly. And so the questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning, as we look at Daniel's experience, as we learn from it, are you prepared to hear a hard word from God? Or does your faith and hope depend on getting your way and being free from suffering? Right? What is it that drives your hope? If it's getting your way and being free from suffering, I want to point out neither of those two were true of Jesus. He didn't get his way, right? Not my will, but yours be done. And he wasn't free from suffering. And so obviously our hope can't be grounded in those things. Are you prepared to hear a hard word? Are you prepared to walk a hard path? Are you ready to humble yourselves and hear what God will say to you, not just what you want to hear God say? Do you have the proper awe and wonder at God's glory? And does that drive the way you hear his voice? Does it banish the casualness from your heart when you approach his word, when you approach his people? What specific steps can you take this week, whether in your personal Bible reading or whether in your, the way you gather with the church, with your community group, what specific steps can you take this week to better prepare yourself to encounter God through his word? Community group leaders, there's an easy question for you.
You're welcome. (laughs) Have you heard the reassuring voice of God telling you that you are dearly loved? And have you put your faith in the Son of God who was given up for you as a demonstration of that love? Do you know God, not just as God and ruler and Lord of the universe and king, but do you know him as father? Do you know Jesus as friend, as brother? Because that is what God says is true. And if you grasp that, then is that perfect love continuing to cast out fear in your life? Even as you walk through deeply fearful paths, right? Perfect love casts out fear. That doesn't mean that the road gets perfect, but it means that you are reassured daily, just like Daniel is, 70 years of walking with God, and he still needs to hear the voice, Daniel, one dearly loved, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Are you ready to hear from God? So what is it like to hear from God? It's an experience you can have every day of your life. You can hear clearly from his word. But let's follow Daniel's example and prepare ourselves to hear God speak and know that it will reap great benefit in our lives as we understand who he is and the great love that he has for us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who speaks. You have not left us in silence. You have not left us in darkness. You have spoken through this world that you have made. The heavens themselves declare your glory. There is nowhere that we can turn in this world and not see a glimpse of your splendor, of your power, of your majesty. But God, you have gone beyond that. You have sent your son into the world so that we could see the Father. By looking at Christ, we can understand what you are like. And you have preserved for us your word where you speak clearly into our hearts by your spirit, convicting us of sin, calling us to Christ. God, thank you that into darkness light has shone. May we not take your voice for granted, but may we treasure it daily as we walk with you. God, I pray that that for us as a church that you would prepare us to hear your word. God, shape our hearts this week. Humble us enough to hear from you whatever you have to say. Give us a sense of your glory that shatters us, that shakes us out of our routine, that fixes our eyes and our focus on you where it belongs, that we see all other things through the lens of your great power and holiness. And God, remind us of your great love. Remind us of the blood that you poured out on Calvary so that we could be called your children, so that we could be welcomed in your family, so that we could stand in your presence with confidence. Father, remind us of these things through your word, through your people, by your spirit, and help us. God, we are weak. Help us to honor you in the way that we prepare our hearts. Help us to love you more. 
May the things of earth grow strangely dim as we are enraptured with your glory and your grace. God, give us your spirit. Help us. Knowing that our only hope in life and in death is is the grace that you give. The faith that you bestow as a gift. God, may as we depend on you, may we walk in humble obedience day after day and give glory to you as the world sees us as they see us talk about our God, as they see us listen to your word, may they sense something different. And God, give us words to explain that point to your majesty, that you might call more people to yourself. These things we ask in your name, for your name's sake. In the name of Christ, amen.